Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fine Beats and Cheeses. I am Lynn Streeter Childress, uh, one of your regular co-hosts. Um, I am a maker of theater for young audiences. And today we will found out that there is no such thing as too shy, shy, hush, hush, I do I. Thank you. All right. And our co-host today is our special guest co-host because um, we have one twin less than we usually do because uh, one is uh, being Leslie Streeter is in New York. So today our special co-host, you might recognize her from our, our last holiday episode last year. It's Alicia McIntyre. Hi. Hello, hello. Delighted to be here. I'm like, am I maybe an honorary sibling? She is. <laughs> we love her. Alicia, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So, um, well, I am a licensed clinical social worker by training, so mental health background, but um, I think I'm becoming more of a multi-hyphenate these days. Um, I uh, uh, am a government worker by day. I, I'm an adjunct faculty uh, for uh, a couple of online MSW programs. I love talking pop culture with you and your twin and anyone else who will listen to us and listen with us. Um, wide variety of interests, um, music, movies, entertainment, travel. Just a little bit about me. Delighted to be here. We're delighted to have you because you are delightful. Thank you, Alicia. And so our guest today, we're very, very, very happy to have. Um, his name is Melvin Edwards. Um, give you a little background before I let him talk more about himself. We met uh, at the same church in Annapolis, Maryland, some years ago. Um, but he has one of the coolest Twitter presences of everyone. And yes, I'm calling it Twitter. I will refuse to call it by the other name. You okay. Out the X. Exactly. <laughs> Melvin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first I'm, I'm happy to be here and any introduction that's got a Kaja Gugu reference, I guess is a pretty good start. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to be here. So to tell you a little bit about me, uh, I'm a, a writer by trade. I've, I've, I have a degree in journalism. I started out my career as a newspaper reporter and then ended up going to political speech writing. Somehow, that's a very long, winding road. I can tell you that's if there's another pop culture reference there, long, the long exactly. and winding road. That leads but to your door. That leads, yeah. absolutely. And so my profession for the past 30 plus years has been in writing. But the funny thing is my hobby is also writing. So I write for food and I write for fun. That's usually the way I describe it. But yes. my career, that's my hobby. And as a hobby, I've written a couple of books about my family's history. And those books have each taken about 30 years of combined research just to go back six generations. I know for some genealogists, six generations isn't that big of a deal. But when you're the offspring, the descendant of enslaved Americans, yeah. that paper trail usually doesn't even begin until the 21st century. So to be able to go back a couple of additional generations before that has taken a lot of research and a couple of lucky breaks along. But I, I'm very pleased with the way those, those books um, were received. And recently, um, you mentioned being an introvert or being shy, uh, I sort of pulled away from that a little bit and decided to give podcasting a try. So I'm a new podcaster. I have three episodes into my new show and I'm enjoying it thoroughly. It's really great. I was honored to be a guest on an upcoming episode. Tell us about your podcast, what it's called, Melvin. My podcast is called Real Life and Other Fantasies. And it's a storytelling podcast. And the reason why I call it that is because of things I learned during my genealogy research. I learned that there are some stories that you hear even generationally, that people will swear are completely true and they believe them to be completely true. But objective evidence will, will show that those just not are, are, are not always the truth or not entirely the truth. But the other part of that that I discovered is sometimes 
those stories are the most important ones to hold on to. They may not be, you may not be able to verify them with data and statistics, but those are sometimes the kind of stories that hold your family together. And I had a couple of stories like that, but then my first book in particular, that I just did not think it was worth it to try to verify or deny mm. because it was just, the stories were just too important to my family's history to do anything to upset that. So that that's why I, I decided, and, and also I'm writing a, a fictional book with that as a subtitle. Uh, the, the main title is called Safe in the Suburbs. And then the subtitle is Real Life and Other Fantasies. And I really like that phrase, that term. So I, I decided to use it for my podcast. No, I I love it. And it's so true. It's it's interesting. You know, the older you get, you go to all of these um, new doctor's appointments and people ask you for like family history of things. And I've had to say, sometimes, do you know, it was rumored that this happened, but I don't know if that's true because there's so many things that because of my age and in relation to the age of the older generation, there were things that they didn't tell us and things that they wouldn't tell us because they felt we didn't need <laughs> to know them. And um, I know a lot too, you know, with Alicia being uh, in the mental health field, a lot of it is mental health people will ask questions about, you know, your mental health background and you'll say, well, it was rumored that this happened, but nobody actually wants to talk about it and and also most of the people who could verify those things are passed away and so it's very interesting and I know we haven't even gotten completely into what we're talking about today but but just stick with us it will get it will get there but um yeah. well you know Lynn when you say that I, I think about I, I think Leslie wrote an article recently about um, women and menopause and how women aren't prepared a lot of times for that. And as you were talking about family history, just reminded me of like, you know, it's sort of like myth, mystery. And, you know, then some people say, well, you know, it'll happen for you at the age that your mother, you know, went through. And I'm like, well, first of all, my mom's no longer here. Second of all, you know, what if someone had some surgeries along the way, you know, there's just different things that happen. It's like, there's no predictor. And like you said, a lot of, and I think some of this is cultural too, just mm -hmm. like medical things aren't spoken of. And, um, and, you know, also kids don't need to know certain things, you know, you don't need to be worried about certain things. So, but yeah, that is interesting of just trying to piece together even just medical history and patterns, you know, genetic traits, you know, people aren't, you know, genetic testing and things like that weren't done, you know, so. Yeah, it's, it's really wild, but it's all a part of what makes us. And like you said, Melvin, I love that idea that sometimes you just have, have to accept that that's what happened and, and move on. Yes. And it's and, because it's better for your mental health as it is to be consistent with that topic. It's so funny, again, the older you get, how you realize how everything is a circle and how everything affects some things. And there's some things you just have to, like Elsa, let it go, let it go. Um, so there you are. So Melvin, can you tell us what you wanted to talk about today? I wanted to talk about something that's probably not discussed too much, but I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who have faced this or who know people in their family. I, I guarantee it, as a matter of fact. Just... Being an introvert, the, the sometimes struggle of navigating life as an introverted male, for one, and specifically an introverted Black male. But on top of that, I just happen to understand that I also have what's considered a highly sensitive, being a highly, highly sensitive person. And that's something I discovered when I was about 40 years old. And it helped explain a lot of me to me. Um, some of the things that I was having to try to figure out along the way, it just started to make sense. And I realized, well, I think I've done a pretty good job of navigating it myself so far, but I understand myself better. And I can be a little bit more, um, show myself a little bit more grace. And, and then realize that there are some things in life that are just not meant for me. And, and sometimes, 
if I have to decide if it's worth it to go through what it takes to to navigate those situations. And, and if it's not, then just keep moving. That's a bunch of word that is <laughs> that is word, word, word. The idea that there's some things that just aren't for us and that is okay. And we thought it would be interesting again with the lens of this podcast to also talk to about pop culture examples of, of introverts and how that is played out in the world, but also too, how that maybe affected you, Melvin, as a person who was actually (laughs) feeling this in real life. So question, you said you kind of figured this out at 40. What were things like for you up until that time that sort of led you to make this discovery that this is who you were? Well, I, I, it's kind of hard to explain. I, I think the probably the shortest explanation is I would get absolutely exhausted hanging around certain personality types or certain situations, or even sometimes without people or, or situations, things like bright lights or loud mm-hmm. sounds. And those would affect me. And, and then I, I'm very observant. So I would notice like other people and I would say, those people didn't seem to be affected by those same factors. Why are they affecting me? And so sometimes you just have to go through your day and, and just try to do the best you can. And other times when you've got some downtime, at least for me, I started trying to figure those things out. And I happened to run across um, Dr. Elaine Aaron's book, The Highly Sensitive Person. And I read through that and and it was like, she's talking about me. She's mm-hmm. talking about me. And probably the most specific example I can give you is I took my kids to Chuck E. Cheese's, which I consider the devil's paradise, along with David Buster's too. Uh, Chuck E. Cheese smells like feet. It's sort of like the the Las Vegas of, you know, for children, right? In terms of overstimulation. Yes. Just walking into a place like David Buster's with all those bright lights and loud sounds, it's absolutely overwhelming to me. Mm-hmm. And, but I didn't want my kids to miss out on those things because they enjoyed them. So it was, it was a real sacrifice for me to go to a place like that, but knowing they enjoyed it, made it, made it worth it. But for me to go, right. that, that wouldn't be worth it for me, just for me by myself. Oh, it, it's interesting. So I am, I am married to an introvert and, um, and then so both of my, I guess, significant romantic relationships have been with guys who identify as introverts. And um, I am not an introvert, um, <laughs> even even though the older I get, I sort of, I'm deciding if I'm actually um, an introverted extrovert, because I, the older I get, I realize how much depleted I am by things, but yes, but my husband will say to me, it's not just that he doesn't enjoy sometimes being around a lot of people, it's that he's actually depleted. So it's not even a, um, oh, it's all right. It's not what I like. It actually hurts him (laughs) often to be around lots of people. He calls it peopling as a verb and he will take off days. My mom got married a year ago on a Saturday and my husband took the day off the day before because he was like, I'm going to need all of this to pre- prepare for all of the mega peopling and the things that he knew he was going to be asked to do. <laughs> so mega peopling, that's a whole new level of people. I'm, I'm not sure I can handle that much stimulation. <laughs> I heard a podcast recently and it was talking about um, stress and, and internal conflicts and things like that. And something I didn't know, didn't or certainly didn't realize, is that there's a physical toll that that your body goes through when mm. you're dealing with certain internal conflicts, internal. Oh yeah. And the example they gave was it was by a, a sports reporter who did this uh, podcast, and she said it's been shown that chess players, you know, chess isn't known as a sport or certainly not a strenuous activity, right? But it takes a high level of concentration. And it burns an excessive amount of calories. 
mm. because it has such an elevated, yeah. the, the, the players have such an elevated heart rate during the competitions. I would imagine their cortisol levels go up. So every, we can't separate anything from our physiology. We can't. So yeah, it might not look uh, like you're exerting a lot on the outside, but mentally what's going on on the inside. And I think a lot of that for um, folks that live with kind of that high sensitivity, sensory processing, it's a lot to take in. So I'm really curious to know, Melvin, like what was the biggest takeaway from, you know, when you first read the Elaine Aaron book and, you know, how did that help you kind of make adjustments, you know, and, 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 and accept, you know, that, you know, your, your personality. Well, I had to teach myself to say no, no more often. Yep. And even when I said yes, I had to know what my limits were. <laughs> like I, I couldn't, it just wasn't worth it for me to risk what I thought would might offend somebody else to stay at a place longer than I should, because I thought the outcome would be much, much worse than apologizing to them for having to leave early. And once I came to make those concessions with, with, with myself, it's, it made life much, much easier. Of course, some people still try to label you and say, you're just a party pooper or you're whatever, whatever right. people want to say. And I'm, I just have to be okay with that. It's like your assessment of me doesn't have to be how I am, how I see myself or how I assess myself. That's, that's your opinion. You're entitled to it. People were wrong every day. Go ahead and be wrong. I know who I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got to I got to talk a lot of land. <laughs> no, go ahead and be wrong. Yeah. Just, okay. Okay. Well, you know, yeah, just learning to say okay. Just, okay, that's cool. You know what's so interesting is you as an introvert, Melvin, me as somebody who's considered myself an extrovert uh, most of my life. Um, but there's still something in the middle of that about pleasing people, right? Is 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 what I'm getting is that just because you are an introvert doesn't mean that you don't care about what people think about you and maybe more in some ways. And then as an extrovert, sometimes I feel like, well, I need to show people that I care. I need to show people and tell people and blah and be all there. And I, yeah, I did say blah. Um, but you, you feel like that because at the end of the day, it's about making people feel good in sometimes ways that hurt you. So it, it can come to that. One of the things, and I don't know what age I reached this, this point, but I started seeing it like other people's opinions in general, but specifically about me, sort of like a, a buffet. So mm -hmm. it's, it's all out there. Um, and, and then I think then I realized, well, you can take what they say and, and put it through a filter and decide if, if any of it's true. And I, and I try to do that. I want to, if somebody says something to me, even if it's hurtful, if it's true, then that means that it's something I need to, to fix. Right. But if they say something that's not true, then it's no longer my problem or never was in the first place. So with the buffet analogy is, I figure it's all out there. You have your options. You pick what you want from it. And then you just leave the rest for, for everybody else. And, and what's left behind is no longer my responsibility. It's not my business. I just leave it behind me and I keep on moving. You, you podcast people this is you can't see us visually but alicia and i are just nodding <laughs> so there's so much truth in that well um can, can i add, can i add please. one more thing yeah one of the things i noticed the most as during my childhood was things like family reunions and and my it was always on my mother's side of the family i, I knew almost nothing about my dad's side of the family which is part of the reason why it took so long to do research mm -hmm. on his side of the family i really had nothing to go from, including his own parents. He, he rarely talked even about his parents, but mm. on my mother's side of the family, we'd have an annual reunion. It was always in the same place. And it was a big deal. It was like a whole weekend. And I always dreaded that weekend. It's always Labor Day weekend. I dreaded it every year. And we would go and I would try to participate and then I would get overwhelmed. And then I'd 
pull away from the group and go and find a shady tree or sit under the tree and, or just try to find some some solitude and, and everybody assumed that I just wasn't social or I wasn't friendly or whatever the, the labels they wanted to, to give to me. And I was just overwhelmed. And I, at that age, I hadn't figured out how to, how to deal with it. And it was, it was such a big deal to me. It was such, it, it was even close to tr being traumatic to me, oh, going yeah. to family reunions that I decided when I became an adult, that I was never going to a family reunion again. I did not want to put myself through that. So this past year, 2022, was the first time I went to my family reunion at the age of, I just turned 56 a couple of days early. That was the first time I've been to my family reunion since I was 18 years old. Wow. Almost 40 years. Yeah. And did you feel like you had what you needed now knowing about yourself <clears throat> to be able to navigate that? I, I do. And, and I told my wife ahead of time that she was excited about going because most of my family, she's never met before because I don't go to reunions. <laughs> and, but so I told her, I said, just be aware that I'm going to be there. I'll be present, but there are going to be times when I have to go and sit in my car mm. and that's going to help me make it through the weekend. So I will be better off. You will be better off if I do this than if I don't do this. Yep. Taking and, care of yourself. And it made a difference. I actually enjoyed that weekend for the first, literally first time in my life. I enjoyed the family reunion. That's amazing. Mm, wow. I, do you I really, go ahead. Go I ahead. was just going to say, I really hope that our listeners can hear that for the first time in so many years but it took you doing what you needed, you, you needed for yourself. So not putting the focus on other people and what other people are going to think, what other people are going to say, um, just doing what you needed by doing what you needed to do for yourself. You actually enjoyed the weekend. I did. And I'm looking forward to going again this year. And I love that you enjoyed it the way that you needed to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, that you have to go through, you know, it's like you go to amusement park, right? And you have to go to all of these rides and attractions to be considered that you had a good time and did all the things. You did all of the things that served you to do, to do, period, right? Yeah. You didn't have to do everything else. Like I didn't used to understand people who could go to amusement parks and just go to the shows <laughs> and not ride the rides. Like that didn't make any sense to me as a ride rider. <laughs> it's the buffet again. Or the bag. You just take you just take what you want from it and you leave the rest there. Would you say Alicia the bag? Oh, my mom was the bag holder. You know, she would do the train. <laughs> and this was this is I'm aging myself, but for people who know King's Dominion, there used to be a train. And so mom would do the train, right? Go see the animals. <laughs> yep. Some people listening to this are going to have no idea what I'm talking about. But for people who have lived in the DMV for a yeah. very long time would remember that era in uh, in the amusement park history. But, um, you know, often, you know, the person who doesn't ride the rides is the person who holds the bags and the purses. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're not having a good time. That's right. Um, you know, Lynn, when you shared this topic with me, the first thing that I thought of when I read and Melvin, when I read your bio, um, was about not fitting into boxes, right? And you talk about labels and, and again, you know, people's perceptions. And I'm just wondering if we can talk about that for a little bit, because there's no one way to be Black. There's no one way to be a Black man. There's no one way to be a Black woman, et cetera. Um, and so, yeah, what, 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 do we, what do we want to tell listeners about that? Not fitting into boxes. You know, that, that topic has been very sensitive to me my whole life and and i i'm a fierce defender of people who are labeled even mm -hmm. even uh, what you would call a good label because i would people would label me when i was a kid as the smart one or the quiet one mm -hmm. and then if i made a bad grade on a test then i didn't feel like i was the smart one anymore i feel like i had lost the identity that people had given to me and so i just I just don't like labels at all for me or for anybody else. 
and I've just boxes don't really hold who you are. Exactly. At least, at least not all the time. You may fit into that right. box once, but you may, right. you, you're welcome. You're, you're able to change you. Right. If we don't change, we don't really grow. And so you have a leg dangling out of the box the whole time, right? Yeah, exactly. You, you widen the box, you open it up to make a door out of one side. Right. And, and so for me, it's been a, it, I'm, I'm comfortable at this point in my life, but it's been a struggle along the way. Um, I often didn't fit in with other black males unless I was playing sports and I played baseball, which happens to be a predominantly white sport. <laughs> so um, there weren't as many black athletes in that sport. And so I started feeling more comfortable around white people. And sometimes it was because they openly accepted me. And sometimes it was just because I didn't feel like I had to try to fit a certain role. Right. And there's a, there's a lot, there's just a lot of pressure to try to fit into stereotypes. And so I just stopped. I just stopped trying to fit into that. And Mm -hmm. I am, I am who I am. And and if what I am isn't what I want it to be, then I'll work on fixing that and improving myself. Mm -hmm. But for the time being, this, this is what you get. And hopefully it's not anything that's going to be offensive to anybody, hurt anybody Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. anything like that. And if you don't accept me, then that's, that's fine. There, there are other people for you to, to be friends with. There are other people for me right. to be friends with. And it's not, it doesn't, it might hurt my feelings temporarily, but mm-hmm. it's not going to affect my life in any kind of way. Right, right. The people that don't accept you or can't accept you, those aren't your people. Right. And that was another kind of question that I kind of posed to Lynn as we were preparing, you know, for this conversation yeah. is to just, um, once you know this about yourself, you know, that you are a highly sensitive person, you know, that you are an introvert, you know, where do we, and I think like Lynn, I think I'm discovering that I'm more of an introverted extrovert as well. I think there's a lot of people that probably think that I'm extroverted, but as I get older, there are just things that I'm, that I'm noticing where I'm like, yeah, I do need more, I need more downtime. I need more alone time. I need less people time. People are a lot. The world is a lot, (laughs) but, um, you know, where do we find our people? Where do we find our people? Sometimes that's a process and, and you have to, sometimes you realize that people you think are within your little circle that aren't really there. And and then you just Mm -hmm. have to move on and try somebody else. And, but sometimes you sort of attract each other. And for me, the best thing that's ever happened which is also the worst thing that's ever happened uh. social media i've i've found my tribe on social media and there's so many people i've met who i would never have met before because i wouldn't meet them in a bar i wouldn't meet them at a social event because i wouldn't go up and talk to them at a social event <laughs> but but online because i'm writing and that's my element I'm able to communicate that way. And then once we sort of form some bonds, then we can talk in real life. And that's a much more effective and comfortable process for me. So uh, for all of my newer friends, I believe all of them were that way from social media. But then I've got my core friends who are my lifelong friends that I've known at least since high school. Right. And those are people I've formed bonds with early on. And I keep I, my, my circle is very small, and very tight, but unbreakable. And, and those people I trust and they trust me and they know me and they accept me and I know them and I accept them. And so we are comfortable around each other. We can be real with each other. And those are the people who I, I, I always want. I always want around me and, and I'm working on expanding my circle, but again, it takes a lot of being sensitive, highly sensitive and and introverted. I I tend to see things and hear things that aren't even said out loud. Right. And, and so sometimes those things make me sort of recoil and, and 
wonder what why did they make that face or why did they do that and then once i get to to know that well that's sort of a benign thing you can you can trust that person and i can still move forward but i tend to evaluate people i tend to over evaluate people that's probably the most accurate way to say that now i hear and, that and sometimes it just takes a it just takes a while to, to form those bonds yeah, I'm, I, I am an overthinker. I, um, I just, to no one's surprise, I uh, just got diagnosed as ADHD. Um, and I had a good friend say, so everybody knew this about you? Uh, but, <laughs> but again, I mean, there's, you know, there are layers, but I am an overthinker. And I know that's something that, that goes with that. Um, thank can, you. I pause, can I pause you there for a second? Please. Because I, I just mentioned labels a minute ago. And I, I wouldn't let somebody label me as an overthinker. Mm. I'm somebody who occasionally overthinks. Like oh. being an overthinker isn't who I am. It's sometimes mm. what I do. What I do. I love that. So I am someone who often overthinks and has made up whole narratives about people <laughs> and what they think of me and how that one thing that I said that one time has affected me in their eyes forever and ever for the history of the world. And then I found out that it didn't. And then it's like, oh, I don't have to live in that land of bubble of stress around people anymore. On to the next. Um, but yeah, that's me. Um, so I did want to say, so Melvin, what, or do you remember the first time you saw someone a character like in a movie or a TV show that you felt, even though you hadn't at that point maybe um, identified with the words highly sensitive or the words introvert, but that you saw somebody portrayed who was maybe like you that maybe you identified with? Actually, not really. I, I sort of gravitated towards the ones who were the opposite of me. Uh, and, and I sort of, and I would think, what would happen if I were more like that? And, and it wasn't, it usually wasn't people, not real people characters. It was more like animated characters. Like who? Like, like things like um, Mighty Mouse was, was something I really gravitated toward. And, but then there was like Underdog, who was sort of an understated character. He was a hero, he was a, he was a hero but he didn't seek the limelight. And so I, I did identify with him sort of being more like me, but the characters like under like Mighty Mouse and, and some of those people who were doing heroic things who would make a difference and who would break barriers and who, was, who were unexpected. I, I looked up to those types of, of characters. It wasn't really until I became a, an older adult that I ran across characters. I, I mentioned to you, uh, Freddie Highmore, the actor, and movies that I've seen him in, and he was younger, um, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or um, Finding Neverland, I really identified with his characters there because that was me as a kid. And, and so I was always the one who was trying to make somebody else happy. I was mm -hmm. trying to help somebody else. I, I didn't seek... Um, attention. And I was generally suspicious of people I didn't know, like he was in Finding Neverland with the, with the Johnny Depp character. Mm -hmm. And, and then uh, August Rush was the other one he was in. And some of those movies, it would the connection was so intense, August Rush and Finding mm -hmm. Neverland in particular, that when the movie ended, I just had to sit in the theater. I, I went to the movies by myself. I, I sat in the theater so people couldn't see how hard I'd been crying during the movie. Wow. Because I thought, somebody gets me. Do you feel, because I'm trying, I'm thinking of August Rush, like, like a kid who would, who, was orphaned, right? And trying to find his parents. He was trying to find his parents. Yes. And it was like was, Carrie Russell and somebody. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Reese Jones or something. Like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 his, and his parents were musicians and he was starting to develop some musical talent and that was their connection. And that's ended how they ended up finding each other. 
and the other part of that was just my own story like my dad died when I was 13 years old so I've always felt a connection to kids who've lost parents and which was his story his John Freddie Highmore's story in, in Finding Neverland right um so when I see a character a, a, a child actor on the screen whose character has lost a parent that's something that brings me back to that like there there's certain parts of me that never grew past the age of 13 like when my dad died I just part of me is still 13 and then from that point forward I've had to learn I had to teach myself how to become a man what what was expected of me I didn't have my dad there to to assist me. And it wasn't even, I don't even think it would have been the same as, as growing up in a fatherless family because I had that example early on. And even though he wasn't there, I still found myself doing things that I thought would please him. And so learning how to become my type of a man, who the man that I am, has taken some trial and error. I've made some big mistakes along the way. And, but one of the things I'm really, really proud of is the kind of father I am or the kind of father I've been. And I think most people, I feel pretty certain that most people who know me at all would agree with that. And that's, that's a source of pride for me because that took a lot of trial and error, a lot of learning along the way and admitting to my kids that I, I don't know we'll, we'll figure it out. Let's figure it out together. Or I did that, or I said that, and I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me for that? Mm. So a lot of people, when they hear the term sensitive or sensitivity, they think it means that you're easily offended, but I'm really, I'm not offended very easily at all because I will go back and, and evaluate what was said. And if it's true, I'll accept it and I'll try to fix it. And if it's not true, I don't hold on to it. It's just not my problem anymore. And responsive, you probably hear me say the word responsibility a lot. Right. Things that are my responsibility, I can handle. Things that are not my responsibility are not for me. That's, that's for somebody else. If they want to put their responsibility on me, then that's a burden that I'm not going to carry for. Right. I, I can help you navigate through it but it's not my responsibility. You, you nailed it. I, you know, I often remind clients and I remind myself too, you know, that I'm responsible to someone. I'm responsible for how I express myself, right? And to, if there's a, a disagreement, I'm responsible for how I conduct myself, but I'm not responsible for someone else's um, you know, feelings in the way of like, um, I'm sorry, I'm hearing some background noise, I don't know, but um, sorry, it's just a distraction, but I'm going to keep going. It's, 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 I think it's me. It's, um, I, we have somebody okay. um, working on our backyard, and okay. even though I have on headphones, I think it's carrying through somehow. Okay, all right. Um, just this idea um, that that we're not responsible for, um, um, you know, people can have their moods, they can have their feelings. It's not necessarily our responsibility to fix it. Right, we're responsible to one another in relationship. Right, we, we're just not going to spout off and you know say abusive things. Um, but once we know that we've expressed ourselves clearly, that we have you know exerted a boundary, that we have um, you know said things um, you know with kindness to the extent that we can, um, that person is still allowed to feel however it is that they feel. That doesn't mean that it's our responsibility to to fix it. I really like what you said, Melvin, about just not absorbing everything. You know, if, if it's, if it's true, you'll examine it. You'll look at ways to improve, but if it's not true, it's not something that you're going to internalize and absorb and, and let it bring you down. Absolutely. Um, I just, Lynn saw this this morning. I had a situation on Twitter yesterday Ugh. where, 
I, I posted a meme and it was, it had political undertones, but it wasn't specifically political. And this guy who does not follow me, um, he came on to my feed and, and responded very harshly, we'll say. And I didn't feel angry at him. I felt sorry. And I, and I, so I said, how would you, how would you handle your teenager acting this way towards strangers? That's, that's what, that was my response to him. And I said, I think you need to make better choices. You need, and I talked to him like a teenager. I said, you need to reevaluate the situation and make better choices. And that infuriated him. So he came back oh, yeah. at me with a racial response. It was awful. It, it was. And again, it made me sad for him. I'm thinking what could be going on in this guy's life that would make him lash out at a stranger this way. And, but all a bunch of my followers went after him, like both feet on his neck. That, that was pretty, it. that was pretty cool, but. That would it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was wild. I, I reported him and I, I mean, I will say that's Twitter and it's, in its current uh, ownership. entity, ownership rare, um, is not as responsive to reporting people anymore. They'll look at something that's blatantly racist and be like, oh, well, we don't see a problem. Well, you know, the other thing that's crazy that's going on with Twitter, and I think all of the platforms, but I know for sure Twitter, is that... Um, you know, people are getting paid to actually, absolutely. you know, write and, 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 you know, write inflammatory things. And then sometimes, you know, you're, you might be arguing with not even a real person, you know, you're That's arguing right. with a, a, with a bot. So I, and I don't have, I have a Twitter account, but I, I'm, mo I'm mainly a spectator. And um, I, I think maybe a year or more ago, you know, just locked my, prior tweets down there weren't that many of them um so you know bravo to everyone who really does engage with the broader broader public <laughs> and with strangers um i just locked my tweets because i just didn't want things to be you know it, screenshot and do, you know people do all kinds of crazy oh, yeah. things and, and and i don't even write about anything you know political but the idea that all of this inflammatory language and nonsense, that it's not even sometimes a real person, or if it is a real person, it's someone who's being paid to do that. And it's like, you know, you're, we're, we're getting pulled in, you know, you're wondering like, well, who is this awful person? And, you know, money is underneath all of that. It's just, it's one of the, it's definitely one of the evil sides of social media. There is a lot of good um, that social media does, but that's just, part of the ugly side it is. Yeah, i think it's a, this was another example of of my type of introversion mm. right my response was to think about what could be causing him mm -hmm. to act that way not just what he was saying yeah and so i i didn't feel angry at all i just felt sad for him and i'm hoping that he gets whatever help he needs or has somebody in his family um support him and and however he, whichever way he needs and right. but he he needs to stay away from that because someday he's going to do that to a person and the and the outcome will not be quite the same and they're going to have a chair if anyone <laughs> understands all, all the chair this is uh, a chair which is sitting there minding his own business this is mid-august uh so if you uh 2023 so if you hear this it was in Incident last week in Montgomery, Alabama, involving a dock, a ferry boat, a pontoon boat, and a chair. Um, you, do the research, you'll figure it out. Um, but, it, you know, one thing I wanted to say that was interesting, going back to something that you said earlier, Melvin, about the characters that you identified with, like Mighty Mouse, right? Um, um, when I did was, you know, looking up like famous introverts, right, in, in pop culture, whatever, to be ready for this and it's interesting one of the things the people that I sort of came across were among others Peter Parker who is the character who's also Spider-Man um like Clark Kent um characters who 
were considered to be a shy introverted in the common vernacular some would say wimps right (laughs) they're um who then because of either you know being bit by a radioactive spider you know then has (laughs) other powers and is able to become somebody else or in the uh example of Clark Kent he was always always he kind of played up the Clark Kent side to sort of downplay who he really was um as Cal L thank you um as Superman but but isn't that interesting though that sometimes introversion is seen as some as a condition that you have like temporarily or gets solved right or cured because then you have these other things or you're only doing that to hide the fact that you're actually the strong person that you're supposed to be do do you ever feel uh, I see you nodding Malvin that that message that this is something that you're just supposed to kind of like break out of I know we oh. see a lot of that, you know, in the movies where, you know, where a girl was a was a shy bookworm and then she takes off her glasses and gets a makeover and now she's the most popular person in school, right? Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. yeah that's been my whole life where extroversion is generally seen sort of as the control group. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you're an introvert, it that's the problem that needs to be fixed. So we need to bring you out of your shell mm. or we need to, um, or you need to toughen up as if being quiet is somehow being weak. Like mm-hmm. the way I felt my whole life is if you only knew the things that I kept inside of my head, you would realize that I'm doing you a favor by not yeah. saying I'm out of my mouth. <laughs> Yeah, introversion is not a condition <laughs> to be fixed. <laughs> the other thing, Lynn, when you mentioned Peter Parker, the characters, Peter Parker, Clark Kent, they also both had, they both experienced early parental loss. Oh, yeah. Mm. So did um, uh, Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah. Wow. Didn't think about that. Yeah. Seems like parental loss is a theme in a lot of the comic series. Right. For these heroes that you know they grew up to be heroes. Because it's something that um I guess is a foundation that adds to why you they are the way that they are. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to when I first talked to Alicia about co-hosting with me and about this topic, one of the people that she thought of um was um Gregory Eddy. From, Mr. Eddie from Abbott Elementary. Do you watch Abbott Elementary, Melvin? I've seen probably half a dozen episodes, and I actually saw it. I watched an episode this week for the first time in in a few months. So, do you know that that character? It's um, what's what's the actor's name from? Oh, Tyler Tyler James. Um, yes, the the young the young teacher, the the newer teacher. Exactly. The, yes, he starts. Everybody hates him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and it's what's interesting about that character is that, I mean, some people who are in the school system say this is unrealistic, but that he actually was training to be an admin administration. He wanted to be a principal. Mm-hmm. And the the joke is, is that the current principal of the school got installed there because she had dirt on the <laughs> superintendent. Mm-hmm. Um, and she needed a job and she could have done anything. So she was installed as the principal. So he came in as a long-term sub and is now a um a beloved, it turns out, um teacher. But again, he is this tall, quiet, young black dude who um some people don't get and don't understand and there was a a, a storyline where he was dating uh the parent of one of his students and so basically the long game is that he's going to eventually wind up with Janine who is the main character mm-hmm. 
played by Quinta Brunson, who we hope, we, we hope, hope. <laughs> Lord, because no, it, it, it will happen. <laughs> they like each other. It's a will they, won't they? They could decide it not yeah. to. But first, it, we need to get the writers paid, though. We need to get the writers their benefits so we can get you know things moving again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they will. No, no. That's yeah, a whole. Quinta Brunson is the writer and the main actor. Exactly. <laughs> of it. Um, but there's a storyline where he was dating this woman who is more gregarious and sort of like sort of out there. Just different and values. They have different values. Different values, different people. They're both cute, but they were not mm -hmm. a match. So right. for Valentine's Day, he gets her a Lego set that's flowers, right? He thought that this was the most romantic, like it's romantic because it's flowers, but it's Legos and it's something that you like work on. And Janine. And and wait, because she was allergic to real flowers. So that right. was the romance piece of it too. The really thoughtful. Yeah. I forgot about that part. Yeah. And I, I did see that episode. It's beautiful. And Janine um, is dating a guy who's actually a friend of, of um, Gregory's and he gets her this designer bag and she doesn't really care about the bag. She doesn't understand how much he paid for it and that it's the status symbol. But she really is like, that's a great gift. I know she's going to love those Legos. And it turns out that, of course, the girlfriend doesn't understand the Legos at all, but really wants the bag. <laughs> She's like, are these for my kids? Exactly. But that, but that I, but interesting though, is that it is played like semi for a joke, but you understand that he is still valued and has value, even if, like you said, Melvin, if other people don't get it, even if the person he's in an intimate relationship with doesn't get it. And then we find out when they go, they're going to um, the Poconos and she wants to do, you know, be in the hot tub shaped like a heart and everything. And he has all these does he want to go activities right he has like yeah lots of adventure activities planned and she wanted more of like a relaxing spa weekend kind of thing in the Poconos yeah but but it but I love though that it wasn't played as this is something he needed to change about himself mm -hmm. it's that he needs to find someone who values him mm -hmm. the way that mm -hmm. he actually is and he has someone but they won't the writers haven't done it yet. well the, the series would end too soon if you, exactly if you came to the conclusion i know it's only gonna, the second season so of course we're going to keep watching it, it's it's one of my comfort rewatch shows actually it's just love that show it is it's heartwarming it is so many things um you know the other thing is that people i think they underestimate mr eddie again you know he came in as the sub he's quiet he might be um some people might describe him as quirky. You know, he's a picky eater. He's, you know, they, they, they make fun of him for like not liking pizza. And then they find him um, eating his lunch in the car outside and he's eating a boiled chicken sandwich. Um, but then there are times, you know, where he steps up and people are like, oh, you know, this is the guy who started out as the sub. You know, we didn't think he had it in him. You know, I think he was... Um, didn't he save the, uh, the the school carnival or something? He, he did something. There's there's several times where he has stepped yeah. in and kind of saved the day. Well, they, there's a there's a um, a storyline about them having this garden um, to grow fresh vegetables for the school, and it turns out that he actually grew up. His dad is a landscaper and a gardener, but he secretly hates it but so he was actually though coming in behind the people who were tasked with the garden and was like fixing things for them and they thought that they were doing this amazing job yeah, I saw that episode too. <laughs> hate, it was like hate gardening like he was like I hate this but he could not do it because he couldn't stand it being done wrong um so he had to um so he had to do it but yeah it's a very interesting and people have noted about how, again, pop culture, on the most popular show, you know, sitcom, you know, really on television, on network television, um, this idea of this Black man 
of this very attractive black man being not having to be whatever like you said black men are quote unquote supposed to be you know and I thought about it like you laughed Melvin when I said one of the first people I thought of with this was Dwayne Wayne yes from (laughs) um from from a different world um that we're I'm dating myself, but whatevs. Um, you know, I said Mighty Mouse. I don't, I don't know how I could date myself. I, in my head, sang both theme songs to Mighty Mouse and Underdog as you were speaking. So we're all aging ourselves. Exactly. But Dwayne Wayne was a character who started off as this kind of like side character, kind of nerdy dude, but who winds up as the show goes on is the romantic lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very interesting that he was given a chance to to grow like that. He starts off crushing on the original main character, who was um, Lucy Bonet's uh, um, uh, Denise Huxtable, who spent off of the Cosby Show, and then her character loses, and eventually he winds up in love with. Whitley Gilbert, who becomes the female lead. And, and um, again, it was interesting. I know there are people who would describe him as being, you know, a nerd and not very masculine. And again, he was became the romantic lead of the show. Yeah, it's it's sometimes for me anyway, it's it's pretty um it's awesome to be underestimated. Yeah. Um, you can set your, again, your expectations, your perceptions of me are not necessarily my reality. So just because you have a low expectation for me doesn't mean I have to meet that. So if I get the, situ- I get the opportunity to foster thoughts and, and what you thought about me, that's, I just sort of give myself a mental high five and, and just keep, <laughs> keep on moving. I, I haven't done anything out of the ordinary. I just did more than you expected. And as long as, and, and the other part of it is, I think as long as you continue to underestimate me, I'm always going to beat you. I'm always going to beat you because I'm not going to lower my standards mm-hmm. because that's what you think of me. If you think this is what you're going to get from me and, the, and, the, and also everything is a competition to me. I'm very competitive, even yeah. if it's all, all in my head. So I'm coming in with my best and my best is probably going to be more than what you're expecting. And so you're going to be playing catch up the whole rest of the time. Well, all right, then. (laughs) I believe that was the mic drop. Exactly. Boom, boom. Well, any, any closing thoughts, um, Alicia and then Melvin on, on this, on, on, on being an introvert, on how people see introverts, on how we've been led to believe from pop culture that introverts were and are supposed to be. Any closing thoughts, Alicia? Hmm. I want to reiterate that introversion is not a condition to be cured. Um, I also want to soften this, um, or, or, or close a little bit of this gap between, you know, the introvert and extrovert wars, right. <laughs> you know, of just saying like all introverts are this way and all extroverts are this way. Um, there are a lot of us out here that have, um, you know, some traits in the middle, ambiverts, I guess. Um, but introversion is not something to be cured. I think if you have listened to anything that we've talked about today and suspect that you might have some, maybe some of the high, highly sensitive um, person traits, you know, explore that, give therapy a try. I'm always going to ask everyone to give therapy a try. Um, you know, there are, and maybe we can link them on the, uh, you know, when you, when you post the, sh- the, 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 the episode, yeah. um, some resources um, for black men. Um, there were resources to find, you know, a qualified therapist to explore things with therapy is not just for like some, when something is wrong, therapy can be for self-growth and exploration. Um, So yeah, introversion is not uh, something to be cured and give therapy a try. 
I love it. I, I will say again, without giving away, several people in my home are currently in therapy and we are, we, we love it and are very thankful for it. Uh, Melvin, closing thoughts. Yes. First of all, thanks for having me on your show, Lynn. And, and thank you to Alicia. It's nice to meet, nice to meet you and have this conversation. I think for, for me, closing thoughts are to just encourage men specifically, just don't, you don't have to fit into a mold. It doesn't make you any less of a man. Just be the kind of man who's going to be respected, who is respectable and take care of your responsibilities and give your, your children a living example of what a man is, who a dad is, or an uncle, or a friend, and just do the things that need to be done, be responsible, connect with people you're comfortable with, and make a difference, a positive difference. It, everybody's got a, their own way of doing things. You don't have to conform to other people's ways. Just just do the best you can is, is my, my strongest um, encouragement. Yeah. Well, we always ask a question at the end of of uh, our episodes, um, being called fine beats and cheeses, and some people again who think that being an introvert is is weak and cheesy and something to be fixed. So we always ask, even though I think I know the answer to this question, Melvin, do you think that being an introvert is cheesy, and if so, do you care? I guess in some ways it's sort of cheesy because people think that to spend too much time thinking about things is a waste of time, mm. but I don't care. Yeah. I, mean, I just don't care. <laughs> don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Well, <laughs> Mel Melvin, can you tell us again, the name of your podcast and where to find it? Plug, plug, plug away. Plug, plug, plug. So the name of my podcast is real life and other fantasies, a storytelling podcast. And as of yesterday, it's available everywhere. Um, the first three episodes were available on Spotify, Apple, and Google. But after yesterday, it's now available on Amazon Music and iHeart and Odyssey and Audible. So anywhere you find a podcast, you can find my my podcast. And it's new episodes are released every morning, every, every not every morning, every Tuesday morning. Right. And I, I have a guest on and I interview them and we talk about their story. And it can be any topic. It's probably going to have baseball in there somewhere because that's baseball is my real passion. Right. But we talk about literally everything. And I've, I've recorded nine episodes so far and I didn't expect some of the twists and turns that have, that have happened, but I've enjoyed them. Each one of them has been unique and, and really fun. That's awesome. And tell us the name of your books too. Okay. My first book that came out in 2020 is The Eyes of Texans. And the subtitle is From Slavery to the Texas Capitol. It traces six generations of my family in Texas from my great, great, great grandfather, whose name is Isaac Blayton, who happened to have been born in Maryland and was brought to Texas in 1844. And I won't give it all away, but um, he was the, the slavery part of the subtitle. And then to the Texas Capitol brings you to me. I'm, I'm the, the sixth generation where I became a speechwriter for the Texas governor. So it, it takes you through each generation and I give, I try to give a first person account of each person's story, each generation's story. So rather than me just telling you what happened to them, I have them tell you what happened to them Love. and what they were thinking when those things were happened to them, happening to them. Obviously it took some creativity and maybe that was part of the advantage of being an introvert that I could put myself in their place and, and, and sort of think about what they would have would have thought and how they would have responded or right. how they might have responded. The second uh, book is, is sort of a follow-up, but it's more, the first book is my mom's side of the family. The second book is my dad's side of the family. It is called The Strength of a Thousand Sons. The subtitle is More Stories from My Texas Family. And in this book, it's specifically dealing with the men in my, in my family, the, the Edwards men. And I start off the first chapter is from my dad's perspective when he was a child, a traumatic event that, that he experienced and how his response to that event changed the course of my family's history. Mm -hmm. he, he broke the cycle of abuse as 
a 10 year old, he consciously decided he did not want to be the kind of man that his dad was. And so that's sort of how I came to view this topic. Like there, like my grandfather was technically a man, but he wasn't the kind of man I would want to be. Oh, right. And I'm a man and I might not have been the kind of man that he would have accepted. Mm. So there are just a lot of different types of ways to be a man. And as long as, as far as I'm concerned, as long as you're responsible, you don't mistreat people, you, you don't, you don't, you don't act like my grandfather did to my dad. That's what's more important. I should all came full circle. How light is it all does. Melvin, thank you so much. Everyone check out the podcast, his podcast, check out his books um, on you're he's currently on Twitter or the other thing that it's called. Uh, what what's the I'm just gonna be bad. What's the Twitter handle? <laughs> My Twitter handle is Edwards21228. That's from when I lived in Cadensville. So that's the zip code for Cadensville. Oh, okay. Life is great in the 21228. I used to live in the 21228 <laughs> and I loved it. Um well good deal. Well, thank you so much for co-hosting with me alicia thank you melvin for being um our guest um next week we'll be back with la leslie um but thank you all so much for listening and as leslie says i'm probably gonna get this wrong keep it breezy keep it cheesy what (laughs) all right bye everybody see you later thank you